0: I encourage you this morning to turn to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at verse 1 in particular. We'll be here for a couple of weeks as we continue our, our look at wisdom in the wisdom literature of Scripture. Last week we looked at where wisdom begins. <clears throat> it has its beginning in the fear of the Lord. And as we spoke last week, there are two basic kinds of of Fear, two main types. That those who do not believe, who are not in Christ, would have this servile or slavish fear. What do we mean by slavish fear? That means it, it's a it's a fear that, uh, that holds one down and constantly works on one's mind. If they, that's why they try so hard not to think. Why do you think that we have such an entertainment? oriented society with so many channels to choose from so many streaming services just keep people's minds numbed with all kinds of entertainment so they don't have to think about perhaps God if you notice people don't want silence they can't stand silence It's always amazing to me. You go out into the woods and in the trails and there are people walking and they have earbuds in. And they're listening to music as they're walking through nature. God's creation. Why are you doing that? You can sit at home and and listen to that. But there's this fear that seems to exist if there's silence. It even infiltrates the church. There are, are so many churches now that there's, their worship service is so tightly programmed. It's like a television program. So you have no gaps because any gap of silence it just isn't acceptable anymore. But that that fear for those who do not believe it's a fear of judgment. It's the fear of an Angry God, that's why so many try to say, well, you know, God is a God of love, so we don't have anything to worry about. Forgetting that God is a God of justice as well. But for the believer, the fear of the Lord is first and foremost a holy and humble love based on faith and trust. It's a reverent affection for God. Where God is ever before us, that is, in our thoughts, directing our ways. Never long out of our minds. We are told not only is the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom, but Proverbs 14 and verse 26 tells us the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life, the source of life, the foundation of life. Now, the believer has a hard time sometimes just moving to that understanding of the fear of the Lord. We know that we act differently for the most part depending on whose company we are in and and who might be watching. Pulled up to a... Traffic light one day, and it's a four-lane road, and the person next to me was in their car, of course, wouldn't be standing there by themselves in the intersection. But they had their finger in their nose, and they were really digging. because they thought inside their car, nobody could see inside, so they were by themselves, so to speak. So that kind of behavior wasn't a problem, but I doubt that they would go to their parents' house, sit there in the living room, and do the very same thing. Some of you, when you were dating, if you were at your parents' house, might have behaved a little bit differently when the parents were in the room, as opposed when the parents weren't in the room even things that don't seem to be lifelike like if you drive into anger as you go in one one way there's there's the sign there that tells you how fast you're going and you see people slowing down as soon as that thing starts flashing and if you come in the other way, too, there's one of those there as well. So we behave differently, when, even when we think that we're being monitored by a machine. So it would seem to follow that we are mindful of God's presence. If we are mindful of God's presence, we might act more wisely. And that's what we're coming to when we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Here we have wisdom on display. And it is on display nine different ways in chapter 7. <clears throat> and what I said about behaving differently in front of different people, and especially in the knowledge of God's presence, <clears throat> I'm not saying that uh, fear or dread of God as believers should govern our actions, but rather a love and delight. The believer's not living in constant fear of judgment. Why? Because perfect love casts out fear. And there's no more perfect love than what God has for those who have come to him in Christ. The Spirit of the Lord is dwelling in us, sanctifying us. So we, we live more wisely. And here in chapter 7, there are beneficial examples of the wisdom at work. Wisdom, as we see in chapter 7 as it begins, wisdom is knowing what is worthwhile. And it's interesting to see as we look how many times the word better shows up it shows up six times in the first eight verses. So therefore, it's telling us that there are comparisons being made. This is better than that. And so there are several of those to look at. We only have time to look at one of them this morning. And that is the one here in, first, in verse 1. A good name. A good name is better than precious ointment. Wisdom then teaches us that a good name, a good reputation is better than the greatest of all luxuries. We know the value of precious ointment or perfume as the case is. We remember Martha and Mary and Lazarus, and it was Mary, Lazarus' sister, that poured expensive ointment or perfume on the head of Jesus. It was the very thing that got Judas so angry that he would go out and seek uh, to betray Jesus. Why? Because the value of that ointment, and John would tell us that, that Judas was angry because that was very expensive and, and he was extorting he was taking money uh, from what had been brought in to be a perfumer an apothecary as the name would go was seen to be at a high level of craftsmanship and be found in a very lucrative trade and that has gone on for for many generations There were some times in history where people didn't think taking baths was a good thing, but didn't want to smell really bad either. So lavished perfume on themselves. But a good name, a good reputation is far more valuable. You see, the the ointment, uh, the perfume will last just a few hours, but a reputation is not only in this life but it remains after we are gone. In Proverbs 22 and verse 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and having favor rather than silver or gold. We turn to chapter 10 and verse 1. There's a very vivid picture that is drawn chapter 10 and verse 1, dead flies putrefy make stink the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. That's quite a vivid picture. Imagine going to the the section that Walgreens or CVS or wherever and here's this, these long rows of perfume and these really expensive bottles and you look inside one of the bottles, it's clear bottles, you can see through it and in that are three or four flies. You immediately say, that's the one. I want that one. In fact, just the presence of the flies in the bottle would cause us to think that really must stink. And our minds would even exaggerate how bad the odor would be. And so, also, Solomon says a little folly to one, one who's respected for wisdom and honor accomplishes the same things as the fly in the ointment. And of course, that's where the statement or the turn of phrase came the the fly in the ointment a little folly think of how wise that solomon was thought to be and then if you turn to first kings chapter 11 First Kings chapter 11 and verse 11, or for, excuse me, uh, First Kings 11, verses one and two. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. From the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives took away his heart for it was so when solomon was old that his wives turned his hearts his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the lord his god as was the heart of his father david and furthermore it goes on about the the different uh, gods that he pursued now, this is more than just a little folly, but here's the man who is known as the wisest man that ever lived, of course, next to Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, he is, everybody still talks about the wisdom of Solomon. We, we brought a, uh, that up last week and how the, the uh, queen of Sheba comes and she's just breathtakingly amazed at the depth of the knowledge and wonder of Solomon. And yet, and yet, he acts so very stupidly. He knows God's law. And he does the very thing that he would probably tell everybody else not to do. In that picture we saw in Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 1, the more delicate the Perfume, the more easily spoiled it is. You think of a person who's a financial advisor. And then he himself gets caught up in a financial scam. He may have made 150 very sound decisions and moves, but that one bad one. You see, reputations are a lifetime built and a moment lost. And as we come back to chapter 7 and verse 1, a good name is better than precious ointment. One who seeks to be honorable honors God. And at the same time, they honor father and mother. We were just in that, in the questions for the catechism. But she You see, one who seeks to be honorable is not only looking after the first table of the law that we're speaking of, the first four commandments dealing with our relation to God, and then the second table, our relation to uh, our fellow man, beginning with honoring father and mother. Well, what's one of the great ways that we do that? We live honorably ourselves. When you see someone who is unsavory in behavior, the questions come up. You see the videos of these people coming into various stores with hammers and various other things to smash the counter so they can steal the jewelry or whatever else is under the glass. And you see that they basically young people that are doing this. And the first question that people would ask is what kind of homes did they come from that they would behave in such a way how were they brought up and so one who is careful about reputation is careful about the honor not only of God you see our our names will always tie us to others Do you really know anybody anymore? you ever heard of anybody else with the last name of Hitler? I would imagine anybody that had that last name changed it somewhere along the line. Our names always tie us to others. If we turn to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, a good testimony means a good reputation, a good name. In verse 39, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith, a good, good name, a good Reputation through faith, and as we come back to Ecclesiastes seven again, we look at the rest of this verse. A good name is better than precious ointment, and uh, interestingly, it says here, "the day of of death better than the day of birth." I believe the second part is directly connected to the first part. When a child is born, you look and you see nothing else but potential ahead of them. What this child may grow up to be. Unfortunately, in our country, since Roe versus Wade, there are 64 million that will never know what their potential was. For they never got to see the light of day since they were killed in their wombs, in the mother's womb, when we see a new child, a child that is born, we look ahead and everything that lies ahead is a potential and that's all you can't make any definite declaration as to their character and add it to that, while one is alive, there's always the possibility. That damage can be done to a name. But when someone dies, they don't sin anymore. They can't tarnish their reputation. When someone dies, others can look back on what they actually accomplished. But again, we must have, we have to be careful here. For there's also the aspect for some that the day of death is a day of reckoning a, a day of judgment for the believer yes the day of death is even better than the day of birth at birth we enter into a world of sin in death a world of glory glory In the Targum, which is what we could say is an Aramaic paraphrase of portions of the Old Testament. It reads, the day in which a man dies and departs to the house of the grave with a good name and righteousness is better than the day which a wicked man is born into the world. Some of the teachings that have been in the church from the onset in our therapeutic age are so easily pushed to one side, but we are all born into the world with a name, and that name is Sinner. We are all born into the world with original sin. We inherit it from our parents because you see, two sinners coming together can only produce a sinner. We're all born with original sin, and then we have actual sin that follows. But in Christ, we have precious promises. We are first told in Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 5. The ones who seem to be excluded. The ones who the world will look at and say, no, they can't be part of, of this. The ones who often would be excluded from temple worship. God tells him that there's a time coming that there will be a a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. A place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. An everlasting name. You can head out to the eastern part of our state, to Edenton and places like that where graves go back to the late 1600s. And the stones are still there that mark the graves. But as you try to read the name, the erosion of time has made them illegible. And so you look and you have an idea that there was, obviously it marks the place of someone's grave but you don't know who their name was. It's kind of sad. But we're told here that for us we will have an everlasting name. A name that can't be rubbed out. We can be Born into the world, into a family maybe of a questionable reputation. We can, by our own actions, tarnish our names. But all of us bear the name of sinners. But turn to Revelation chapter 3, and one of the great promises. People say, Revelation scares me. I'm wondering why. Jesus wins. You know, if it had a different ending to it, you might say, Yeah, that book scares me. But a book about victory it shouldn't be all that scary. Revelation 3, verse 12, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven. It's not a geographical spot. Okay, it comes down out of heaven. And I will write on him my new name. And if we turn back to chapter 2 verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat and I will give him a white stone and on the white stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. I will give he who overcomes and and how do we overcome? Well, we're told constantly we're overcome by, by Christ and through Christ. He gives a new name. Paul tells us, anybody be in Christ. He is a new creature, a new creation. And if we turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14, Paul writes, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. It's not Smith or Jones or... The name, we all will have the same Name, if you will. Not everybody, not not everybody has the same thing on their name tag, but we'll have the name of Christ. We'll have that name in Christ. If we think about it, how great it is to have a name that's written in the Lamb's book of life. Remember that time that he sent out the 70 and they, they, they go out and they, they have this amazing time and they come back and they say, Jesus, even the, even the demons were subject to us. And he told them, don't rejoice over this, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. To have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, to have our names confessed by Christ before his Father. How great while on earth to have a name that's known for being gracious, a known for love to Christ, a zeal for his church. We think of, of some of the names. Notice in 3 John, it's good to turn there every now and then because it doesn't get brought up very much. 3 John, verse 12, Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness and you know that our testimony is true. Can you imagine that? That's a name that Demetrius made for himself while he was on earth. And now it's forever captured in the word of God. And how will Demetrius be known? He'll be known as having good testimony, good reputation. And there are others that that we can look at. But as time moves on here Let's come to some conclusion. The first would be this. To care about your name. Your name here on earth. Your reputation. Is to think in a godly way. For God is very jealous and zealous over his name. In the Old Testament days, it was quite often that a child would be named by their characteristic. Sometimes they would have a name of a a relative, but a lot of times they got their name. There was nobody named Jacob before Jacob got his name. And yet, what does the name of Jacob mean? Supplanter, and that's got nothing to do with farming. Trickster, you want to look at it that way. And he lived up to that name several times. But God is zealous for his name and therefore, and being zealous for a good name is a godly thing to do. Secondly, to care about the reputation, to care about your family, to care about someone besides yourself in this world is so rare. Everybody so stuck on themselves and how it all feels and what everything means to them and the things that they want and very little care about anything else. You can go into any nursing home on any given day and find dozens of people who have been dumped there by their families, never to be visited. So, to care about your name and your family and how it impacts them is to be countercultural in this world. And lastly, the best name that we can have. Best last name, if you will, is in Christ. Our name for this life is one thing, but in Christ we have a new identity, we have a, an eternal identity, we have His name on us an eternal name an unchanging name a name that grants us a righteousness we could never achieve in this world or in a thousand lives were we to live them. and so while we guard our reputations in this world we also with wisdom should in Christ look for the great name and eternal name he gives to us. Let's stand together for prayer.